house of worship. As the soaring pillars draw your eyes upward, as you enter the doors of the sanctuary, you see the cross of Christ before you, the ascended Christ, as he's going to prepare that place for you. Take a look around. What more could you ask for than a house that brings to you a reminder of the glories of heaven, the reminder of God's grace and power? More importantly, with a new house of worship such as this, with which the Lord has blessed you, is the people, you, for whom it's been built. Oh, perhaps it was because of the fact that the numbers kept growing, the congregation became stronger, more were coming to worship, the need for a larger sanctuary, a larger house of worship became necessary. Maybe for a moment you might go back far enough, and it may have been the deterioration of an historic old church that was demanding more and more resources to keep it up, not to mention the fact that you were outgrowing that too. While those are worthy reasons to dedicate a new house of worship, there's still more important reasons than that. It's the people. It's you. You who come to be fed and nourished with the word of God, with the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel predominates here in this structure. When people drive by, they cannot help but understand that St. Paul's focus is on Jesus Christ. The church draws their eyes heavenward, too, from the outside. And as you look at the top of the steeple, there's a cross that can, see, that can be seen from long distances. A cross that not only shines in the sunshine in the morning, but is lit brightly at night. So that there is no doubt that the gospel lives here. The gospel predominates in the ministry, in the lives of the people who worship here. A gospel that calls out to the community around you, calls out and invites them to come and learn and know more about Jesus, our Savior. And like the people who were gathered before Solomon's temple at that dedication, it's necessary that you be reminded that this isn't the focal point. This isn't the purpose of St. Paul, having a building, having a, a beautiful house of worship. No, the purpose is still the same today as it was even when Solomon stood before that temple when it was being dedicated in Jerusalem. That temple stood as a picture, a symbol, a reminder to God's people. It drew their eyes up to the top of the mountain there in Jerusalem. As they approached the city, they would see the house of God sitting up there. And everybody who would come near would be reminded of their loving Lord, the loving God of Israel. God wanted his people to never forget that. And neither did Solomon when he prayed that dedicatory prayer. He wanted the people to remember that this house wasn't just for them, 
But this house was to be a house of prayer for all, for everyone, so that everyone might have the opportunity to know who Jesus Christ is. How appropriate then that on the last of three Sundays, as Pastor McKenney mentioned a few moments ago, on the last of three Sundays, you would focus your attention on the work that still needs to be done. Work that's been going on for generations. A work that has been going on all the while that you were going through the planning. A work that will continue long after you and I are gone. That's the proclamation of Jesus Christ. That's the sharing of the good news. When Solomon spoke his prayer before that temple in Jerusalem, this is what he prayed. And it's a prayer that, that you and I could very easily pray today as well. That all the peoples of the earth may know your name and fear you, just as your people Israel do. And because they know that your name is proclaimed, in this house. From the earliest days of the Wisconsin Evangelical Lutheran Synod, the Wells has always made its focus the sharing of that good news. Through worship services, through sending out missionaries, through what was then a new country, an expanding land, this congregation, over 125 years ago, joined itself at the hip with the wells because it understood the necessity, the importance of doing this important work, sharing Jesus. And that's the work that St. Paul has focused on through all these generations right down to the present time. Understanding that this house then is where God dwells, yes. But from this house will go a message for all mankind. Your house of worship serves as an invitation. When people drive by, when they see this building, when they notice it, it's hard to miss, obviously. But as they drive by, it stands as an open invitation to each of them. An invitation very similar to Philip when he came to Nathanael after Jesus had called Philip to be one of his disciples. And Philip came to Nathanael and he said, come and see. Come and see the wonders that God has wrought. Come and see this Messiah, the Messiah that it was long ago promised, the Savior that we've been waiting for. Come and see what he has to say. Come and see him. And that's the thought that's always before you. That's the thought that's before all of us, is that we would invite people to come and see. Come and hear. Come and learn at the feet of our Savior, Jesus. Throughout this whole planning process in the last decade and a half, God has, has supplied you with faithful shepherds who have kept you focused on that message, who have kept you focused on the reason why you do everything that you do, not just as a congregation, but as individuals living to the glory of your Heavenly Father. And he continues to bring that good news to you every day. Not just every week, not just when you decide to come through the doors and be seated, 
but he comes to you every day through the pages of his word. Unfortunately, as time went on, Israel forgot all that. That prayer of Solomon, a prayer that God said he would answer, he would fulfill, he would ensure that his house would be a house of prayer for all. Those words and those promises of God, they were forgotten for some reason. The people turned their backs on the hearing of the word. They had the glorious temple there in Jerusalem as a reminder to them, but it was very easy for them to put that out of mind, to not be thinking about it anymore, to not be thinking about the importance of it and the power that was attached to the word there. They pushed aside. They even ignored the promise that God had given to their forefather, Abraham. A promise that was spoken that includes every one of you. Because God was speaking to you. He was speaking of you when he was speaking to Abraham. He said to Abraham, all the families of the earth will be blessed in you. But by this point in time with the prophet Isaiah, that had been forgotten. And the people of Israel thought it was absolutely preposterous that anyone other than a Jew would be the object of God's love. They, could, they found it unbelievable that someone who did not have the blood of Abraham pulsing through their arteries could possibly be the object of God's love, the object of God's grace. Again, it wasn't because they hadn't been reminded over and over. It had been nearly 300 years since Solomon had spoken that prayer before the temple. It was 300 years later when Isaiah spoke these words, when God reminded his people, just as Solomon had in that prayer of dedication, that this house is to be a house for all. This message is to be proclaimed to all the world. This message isn't yours to just keep, to lock up someplace and to, to treasure it for yourself. But if you do treasure it that much, you will want to share that treasure because you understand there's plenty of it to go around. There's plenty to give to others from that rich treasure of the gospel. Through the prophet Isaiah, God had reminded the people Israel, this people, he's speaking of Israel, this people that I have formed for myself will declare my praise. Surely God makes that same point with you this morning. He makes that same point with you every time you hear him speak to you. You recall the words of Jesus when he's talking about the work that, that has been entrusted, not just to him as the savior of mankind, but work that he handed over to his disciples and to every believer that would follow. I also have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. 
The apostle reminds you and me, Gentiles by birth, you and I are not Jews. You and I are not a part of the chosen people of Israel of the Old Testament. But you and I are among those Gentiles whom God has called to be, to be proclaimers of that peace. Jesus came for you as well as for the chosen ones. It's Jesus who came to abolish that barrier that was there between the Jew and the Gentile. More importantly, Jesus came to abolish the barrier between human beings and God. Paul writes, Christ Jesus came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access to the Father by one spirit. This was God's plan all along. Why was that? Because of sin. Because sin separates human beings from God. Your sin separates you from your heavenly Father. Your sin necessitated Jesus coming into this world. Your sin and the sin of every human being of all time caused the incarnation of Christ. The fact that God became human. The word of God became flesh. And it's that word through which the Pharisaic disciple Paul calls you and me out. The Pharisee who had been called out of the darkness of unbelief into the light of eternal life calls out Jew and Gentile alike when he says, all, both Jews and Greeks, he says, are under sin. It's very easy. It's very easy now to sit back and think, we're done. We finally have reached our goal. You've only just begun to achieve that goal. That sharing of Jesus with others. Now, there is no excuse any longer for, for us, is there? I've been dragging my feet. I haven't been talking to my family or my loved ones as I ought. I haven't been inviting them to come and, come and hear what God has to say to them, to hear what our Heavenly Father in His love has done for them. Oh, I know what He's done for me. But what's keeping you from sharing that with more, with others, with your loved ones? with your friends, with your co-workers, with your acquaintances? Why is it that the newness wears off so quickly with the proclamation of the gospel? God's will is that not only you would believe this, but that others would too. God's will is that you would share that good news with other people because this is what pleases him. This is what is good in his sight. Why? 
because he wants all people to be saved. He wants everyone in your community to know that the only way to eternal life is through faith in Jesus Christ. He wants everyone to know, everyone that you can think of in your life. Think of all the people you know, all the people whose paths cross with yours. Think of every last one of them. God wants them in heaven with you. That's his will. That's his desire. That's his command that he gives to you and to me. That they would know that there's only one who can take care of your sin. It's Jesus. No one else. It's God. He sent his son Jesus because he was the only one who could come and take away the sin of all mankind. He's the only one who could come and take your sin away. And he did that so that everyone who hears that good news and everyone who by the power of the Holy Spirit working through that message believes that good news will have in the words of Jesus himself eternal life. They won't perish but they will live forever in heaven. You know how Jesus did that. You know how he willingly came into this world to serve as your substitute. He didn't just die for you. He lived for you. He lived the perfect life that you and I fail miserably to live every single day. But Jesus did it perfectly with you in mind so that you will be able to stand before God's throne on the last day. And that perfect life will be credited to you. Jesus took upon himself the punishment for your sin. And not just yours, but for the sin of all. For all those unbelievers out there, Jesus paid for their sins. He did that willingly because he was the only one who could do that. He had lived the perfect life. Wasn't that enough? No. No, he had to suffer the punishment of hell. He had to suffer the punishment of being rejected by God, being separated from God and his love. He had to experience in your place and my place and the place of everyone the agony of being separated from God, the agony of hell. Why? So that whoever believes will not perish but will have eternal life. And then God sealed it all by raising Jesus from the dead on the third day to prove that he had won the victory. The first one to rise from the dead as proof that every human being will rise from the dead one day, believer and unbeliever alike. But he especially did that so that the believer will not perish but have eternal life. Only God can do that. Take a look around you. Right now, look to your right, 
to your left. Whom do you see? People. Blood-bought souls. People for whom Jesus lived and died so that death would no longer have any power over them. Jesus has set you free from the power of sin and eternal death and the devil himself. Jesus has set you free from slavery for a life of service to him, a life of service to those people you just looked at, and not just the people who are gathered here with you for worship, but in all the world. Look, look at that baptismal font. Why is that there? Well, the obvious is for baptisms. But there's no baptism this morning. So why is it there? It serves as a visual reminder to you that you, you too, were received into God's family through the washing of water with the word. You too had the Holy Spirit poured into your hearts. He took up residence inside of you. He made you God's own dear child. He put the name of Christ in your heart and on your forehead. He is the one who sustains you and nurtures you in your faith to keep you strong and solidly standing on the truth. There is nothing in creation that can separate you from God's love. There is nothing in all of creation to be afraid of because you're God's child. Look up. Do you see those buttresses that go up and they draw your sight upwards? When you come into the church, you walk through the doors, your eyes are drawn to the cross of Christ. Do you know why churches were always built like that? For that very purpose, to set your sight on heaven, to keep you looking up. And when you're inside the building, you look up. When a person is outside the building, well, the building does the same thing. It draws their attention up, upward to heaven, pointing to our Heavenly Father, to His throne, and his son, Jesus Christ, who is there ruling over all things for your eternal welfare, but who is there and preparing a place for you so that one day you will live with him. Take a moment and listen. Listen to the word of God as it is being spoken to you. Hear the Holy Spirit working through that word in the, in the word in the sacrament. Consider the, the ceremonies, the worship services, the symbols of the church building itself, all serving that purpose to keep your heart's eye focused on Christ and his word and the importance of that gospel in your life, to fill you with a joy and eagerness to take that and want to share it with others to give them that same assurance that you have. You with saints the world over enjoy these blessings. The Holy Spirit comes to you still 
through that word and through the sacraments. The Holy Spirit still strengthens you when you listen to the word being spoken to you. When you read it in your own personal devotions at home, as you grow in your own life, your own faith life, on a day-to-day basis, the Spirit is alive and active, and he's working in you. And as you grow in that faith, he continues to work through you so that you will want to take that good news and share it with others. Let God's word, let God's name spill from your lips and be evident in your life by the way that you interact with one another. Not just by the things that you do, but by the things that you say. Let your light shine in such a way that there's no doubt you are a child of God. Live. Live empowered by the Holy Spirit to support that work of the gospel with your words, with your praises, with your generous gifts to the Lord, returning to him what is just a portion of rightfully is his to begin with. It all belongs to him. And he has loaned it to you. He has given it to you so that you might do his will. Sharing the gospel. Supporting the work of ministry the world over. You can only read about a lot of those places, right? Some of them you've probably never even heard of before. But nevertheless, with your gifts, you support a worldwide ministry beyond these four walls, beyond this community, beyond Jefferson County. You support a worldwide ministry that literally encircles the globe. There's still plenty more to do. God has blessed you with this house of prayer. Now, let it be a house, God's house, for all people. With joy and thankfulness in your heart, overflowing for your heavenly Father. Take that good news with you wherever you go. And make this house a house for everyone a house for all to come and learn